Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. I know you're excited, and I'm excited. Even I'm excited, and I'm excited. <laughs> Star Wars! <laughs> it's a little ridiculous, to be honest. Like, I think it's probably a good thing because I, I remember trying to book the tickets. I had like the email announcement sort of thing to come through to me, but uh, probably glad that I haven't been out in public like this because when Ahsoka <laughs> came out, I was like borderline tears, like hyperventilating. Like, it's happening! It's happening! It's happening! I could just imagine you at the front row, just weeping constantly. Yeah. <laughs> just keep going on. I, I kind of, um, every time I'm watching something, I, I kind of feel reminiscent of uh, Matthew McConaughey in Interstellar when he's watching the yeah, video message. You. <laughs> that's just me sitting there. Just like, <laughs> and here's Grand Admiral Fry. Oh, oh my, my God. God. <laughs> <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to the Phantom Zone, your one-stop shop for all things nerdy. My name is Chris Bjork and we are here this week in partnership with UK Film Review and have assembled in our respective nerd caves to talk all about a film based on probably one of the nerdiest things ever, to be honest, the new Dungeons & Dragons movie, Honor Among Thieves. But of course, it's not just me here because that would be awful. Um, Thankfully, joining me in our adventuring party to battle through the next hour or so is my friend and fellow nerd, the one, the only, Toby. How are you, Toby? Hello there. I'm good, Chris. I'm very good. I have also risen from my cave to speak about Dungeons and Dragons, and I'm looking forward to talking about it with you. Yes, 
It is early on Easter Sunday. We are recording this much earlier than we normally record these things. So. <laughs> a little groggy, but we're still bringing the game. Of course, it won't show because we are consummate professionals. Obviously, yeah. uh, I've 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 already admitted to you, but I've already eaten two cro- hot cross buns this morning. So you know, I am a mess of a human being. And I have uh, literally admitted to you that I have only woken up mere moments ago. But I am raring to go. That is the dedication we have to this podcast. So. We are here to talk about Dungeons and Dragons movie, Honor Among Thieves. We've both seen it this week. But before we get into initiative and start rolling dice to see who gets to share their thoughts on the movie first, we have, as always, our nerd news section. And for nerd news this week, Toby, I've written down two words, and they might be your two favorite words in the whole world, and that (laughs) is um, Star Wars. Yay! So obviously the Star Wars Celebration event is taking place this weekend as we speak. Um, There's a lot going on in there. A lot's been announced already. Least of which is not just one or two, but three new movies coming from the Star Wars universe. Set in different timelines. We're eating good today. We are. We are indeed. So the first movie is the new Star Wars film set after the recently released sequel trilogy and Return of Daisy Ridley as Rey. Yes, indeed. Um, What do we think about that? You now, know what? You are you are a Star Wars expert, so I'm going to be leaning on you for all of the the knowledge and lore on this one. So. Oh, that is that is absolutely fine. The uh, the Star Wars brain speculation sort of engine has been going ever since Star Wars Celebration initiated. And to be fair, ever every day, every day, I'm that yeah. loser who's building headcanon every minute he can. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited. Uh, Daisy Ridley and Ray were never an issue with nope. me. Nope. Uh, it was always the story and how they mm-hmm. put together the story was the issue for me and how they treated the legacy characters, particularly Luke, Han, and Leia. Um, like Leia, I think, had the most respectful sort of process through those movies, but unfortunately she passed away, which was devastating to the fandom. But, you know, everything else I thought they just, nah, push it aside, we'll bring in these new characters, and then we don't know what to do with them. But I mm-hmm. think Daisy Ridley did a fantastic job with what she had to use. Um, yeah, and I think Ray was an interesting character that they kind of just fumbled the ball with. It's the same with Finn, same with Poe. I think the only character they sort of pretty much handled well throughout was Kylo Ren. Yeah, but even Kylo Ren, I think they they dropped the ball a little bit with him at the end. But they did. That that's beside the point. We won't get into my sequel trilogy ramble. Um, this isn't a hate podcast. Um, but in terms of where they're going to go with that, I think this is probably the best course of action because um frankly at the end of rise of skywalker if anything they were probably in bigger disarray than they were even at the return of the end of the return of the jedi which is and it's a 40th year anniversary how cool is that i know um but with uh yeah so you've got no new republic because star killer base destroyed it in episode seven mm-hmm. you've got the what what little remnants of the final order uh, sorry the the first order and the final order just absolutely decimated um, exegol um so i'm assuming there's some form of remnant of the first order potentially even the sith eternal the the cult that we're trying to bring back emperor palpatine or did bring back emperor palpatine um and sort of no real organization keeping order in the galaxy so if anything, it sounds like they're a little bit more of a vacuum than they were before, because at least there was a clear, mm-hmm. the Rebel Alliance are going to lead the way moving forward, which then yeah. led to the New Republic. 
Um, so I'm getting a bit out of breath because I'm just so excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the one you're most excited about yet. So. <laughs> but, so you uh, might pass out by the end of this. Yeah. <laughs> this man is overgasped. But the um, yeah, I think I think the, the the concept behind it with Ray building a new Jedi Order, I think that also kind of gives us the opportunity to bring back Mark Hamill as the Force Ghost because he can lead her through sort of his mistakes, what he did wrong, mm. um, which can still bring back Mark Hamill and kind of undo the kind of dismissal of him in the, the previous movies. So he can kind of be more of the council. Um, yeah. You can bring back Yoda if you want. You can bring back Obi-Wan. Um, I know you can't have Alec Guinness, but frankly, the way I see it is you can say that they go in the eye of the beholder. So she may know him from text or video recordings as Ewan McGregor. Therefore, mm-hmm. it's the simplest thing to bring him back and just say, oh, well, it's just what she might recognize him as. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think fan- fans would be uh, against those ideas. No, because um, I mean, if they can bring back Hayden Christensen to play as Anakin later on, I don't see there being an issue with that. Yeah. Um, and you can wave it away with an explanation and everyone's just going to get excited to see Ian McGregor again. Yeah. Um, so I think that 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 premise is great. And I think that the the 15 years later, that's a nice sort yeah. of time scale between the sequels and where we're going to go with just this one movie. So mm-hmm. I guess they're, they're being a bit more cautious. They're not saying, hey, we're going to announce another trilogy. We're going to do it one at a time if they mm-hmm. make any further movies after this one. Whether mm-hmm. or not this is just going to be the cap. So they're just going to say, this is episode 10, so to speak. Really cap this off. And then if we make any more, we'll be lucky. Which is probably yeah. the smarter idea, because the announcements of the last three films, and they weren't prepared for it. So they've had enough time to sort of gestate on this, put something together. And I think we're I think we're in good territory here. Ray building a new Jedi Order in an unknown galaxy. I think that's, that, that's, that's promising for me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think... Uh, I agree with your point. I think doing one film in this, I guess, part of the timeline uh, at a time is a better way to go rather than when what they did previously was announce three films and kind of be like, okay, now we actually have to make three films. Yeah. How, do we make, how do we make three films that are coherent? And like I said, we don't really want to get into the ins and outs of the sequel trilogy and our thoughts on that because... Try to be positive. Just but, put your um, writers in the same room. That's just my yeah, suggestion. Yeah, that, that, that's a good chat. Or maybe have all the same people working on the same films. Yeah. Be, that, yeah. This, there's an idea. Uh, if you're going to have a trilogy, maybe have the same people make it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, I, but obviously I get they wanted to get them out. They need to get these th- films made. So they made decisions. They just made bad ones, in my opinion. But I Agreed. also agree with your point that the, the, the faults with those films are not with the actors or the performances. Um, the writing of those characters and the writing of the story was where, for me, it really fell down. But Daisy Ridley, as Ray, never had a problem, never had an issue. Nope. Really glad she's back. Fantastic. Um, interesting, because, like you say, Ray had a very, a lot of potential in those three films yeah. that probably wasn't realized. And a lot was focused on Kylo Ren. And that makes sense, given his story. But his story is was I guess one of redemption that was, you know, kind of dragged out slightly and wasn't yeah. really given a lot of different flavors to stuff we'd seen before. So therefore, as you said, a lot of the other characters, Paul, Finn, Ray, kind of got like pushed to one side and just there for the to move the plot along yeah. in the set pieces, you know? I'd really like to see Ray um Poe and Finn come back, but I think I mean um 
Oscar Isaacs is, I mean, he's back in Moon Knight, so I guess he's still sort of in connection with Disney, but it feels like John Boyega has pretty much cut all ties with it and said that he's not interested in coming back to Disney. So it's it's sad um, because I think there's promise with those characters. And I think Finn, of all the characters, had the biggest potential. His Mm -hmm. storyline of being um, an ex-stormtrooper was just so promising and just had such rich... um, opportunity and they they just really fumbled it and he just became the side character who just screamed at ray ray every five minutes and that was that <laughs> yeah. was basically his character arc it was yeah, criminally and wasted it, and it's you got an actor like john boyega as well I, mean, I know i know why are you not using that at all you know it's uh it's it, it just made no sense to me and that's I, I wasn't completely enamored with force awakens from the start and then the problems kind of just seem to become a bit more deep rooted as the other two films came on. And that's really where by the end of the three, it was starting to become like a, like really evident that there was issues in the writing and issues with figuring out what to do with these characters. But I hope with a new stripped back version with just Ray and a new story and a new um, direction to go in that maybe doesn't tie itself down with a lot of different stuff. Yeah, maybe maybe this will be good because this is basically a fresh start potentially for yeah. a new story, which gives them so much opportunity to do whatever they want. And it'd be so, re- I, what I really want them not to do is it's not the final order or the second order or the third order. It's it's just you know m- maybe there's a research like a, a, a re-emerging evil or maybe it's the like I want it low key. Like I don't want some galact like it can lead to a galactic threat, but I I want mm-hmm. it to be more low yield, more, yeah, a bit grounded, a bit more you know, um, bits on the ground kind of yeah, know. or or building upon which I guess we'll sort of we'll talk about when it comes to Ahsoka and things like that, but a little bit more of the yeah. the Elseworld side of Star Wars because there's a lot of because if this is building a new Jedi Order, you know, you could almost have it as a um like a, a cop movie in a way that they're now doing what they used to do roaming the galaxy um bringing peace and yeah. sort of um being the sheriff of of the galaxy mm-hmm. um and i i think that could be quite interesting having a bit more of like an investigation finding out something maybe i think having the sith in it is not a bad idea but having them as sort of the the cultists and things like that and they're trying to bring back I don't want to say bring back Emperor Palpatine, but you know another Sith disciple is sort of taking the reins. I, I think there's a lot of interesting ways they could take this, but rather than just having another Empire knockoff, would just be really, really boring and a waste of time. Yeah, I feel like they could almost try and forget as much of the canon and lore as they possibly could and just try and build something new. Because yeah. Star Wars is, if any franchise has potential, given that it's literally galaxies large yeah. could do whatever they want and yeah. I, that's i think most franchises get look at marvel get we've done it again marvel um <laughs> but um they get they get so bogged down in their own baggage and lore and backstory and things they need to address that i think this is their best chance now for star wars to basically go right no we're gonna branch out do something new yeah you know? big, big make time. new roles make new make new stories yeah. so hopefully Fingers crossed. 
obviously no trailer yet or any any other news apart from the return of Ray and the basic story. But um, what we do know is there's going to be another film directed by Dave Filoni, creator of Mandalorian, Boba Fett, um, Re- Rebels, Clone Wars, all the good stuff, yep. essentially. Um, for In the Star Wars canon, he's making a new live-action film which will focus on the New Republic and will close out the interconnected stories told in The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, and Ahsoka. This sounds good. Dave Filoni's great. Yes. I mean, this is probably the thing I'm most excited about. And also, I feel justice to a degree, because frankly, Dave Filoni is as close to you as you can get to George Lucas these days. Like, mm. In fact, I, f- I feel like Dave Filoni is probably, in a way, a probably stronger character than George Lucas these days, because whilst George Lucas may have created the characters, he's obviously impassioned about it, but Dave Filoni lives, breathes, and just talks about Star Wars incessantly. Watching Celebration, and I've watched the years before, the man just knows Star Wars inside and out, and you can tell he sort of affects everyone around him, um, because all the other cast and crew, they just say, oh, yeah, you know, he, whenever we're sort of a bit confused about this or we don't know what direction to go and do this, we talk to Dave Filoni and he puts us back on course. And the guy's just got the head cannon just yeah. down pat. He knows his stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I think what he's touched has just been gold. Like the Clone Wars, you know, started a little bit shaky, but once it built into the story of it, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. The, the latter yeah. few seasons were just phenomenal. I mean, the, um, the, the last season of Clone Wars, particularly the Siege of Mandalore, uh, with Ahsoka and um, Darth Maul was some of the best Star Wars ever. Mm-hmm. Um, Rebels was a phenomenal TV show, and what's coming with Ahsoka just seems to be a continuation of that, which I'm all for. Um, and it, Book of Boba Fett and the newest season of Mandalorian have been a bit rough, but it feels like that's because he's taken more of a back step on the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, to focus on Ahsoka, and now it obviously appears to be his new interconnected New Republic movie, which I think is great. But you can kind of see that he's he's maybe stepped away. But I think with Mando, um, I know you haven't seen this newest series, no. Nope. Um, but uh, I, I feel like with Book of Boba Fett, it was it was a necessary sort of course to take because they needed to get Boba Fett a little bit more of a good guy, um, because him being a villain. And then having a, a longevity in the franchise didn't really work too well. Mm. Um, I think that sort of course direction change for him was quite jarring for everybody, me included. So I think we're all a bit like, oh, this is not really the Boba Fett we know. So he's going to make mistakes and it kind of just put everyone off on an, e- uh, on an even keel. Um, whilst with Mando, I feel like a little bit the story... And probably Pesco, uh, Pesco, Pesco, (laughs) (laughs) old Pesco, (laughs) Um, Pedro Pascal's um, involvement has been a little bit lessened. You can feel it because of The Last of Us. Yeah, you're so busy filming that he's just basically lent his voice to this show. So he's kind of taken a backseat and his story and Grogu's story kind of culminated to the best possible way it could do in season two. And then they've kind of taken a backseat in their own story a little bit, or at least their own show. And I think in sacrifice of the world building. Mm. And I think that makes more sense now that they're putting into context that there's going to be this interconnected movie that Dave Filoni is working on. 
and yeah. I I'm very excited with that. You know, if they're bringing what Ahsoka has teased as the overall threat, which I think probably makes the biggest sense, and how that leads into the sequel trilogy and things like that, I think that's really really promising. Um, and I think they can't have got someone better to shepherd that course of narrative um, as Dave Filoni. I, I love the man. I think he's fantastic. Yeah. He invent he yeah. and George Lucas together invented Ahsoka, who started off as a horribly annoying character and is now is up there with like the Darth Vader's, the Luke Skywalker's, the Han Solo's as like people's favorite character of all time. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. up there as my top three. I love her. Yeah, you're right. Dave Filoni is... Uh, he's a safe pair of hands in the Star Wars universe, which is is not something you say a lot of people um, in, I guess, recent years gone by with the films, etc. But Dave Filoni, when his name's attached to it, you kind of go, okay, I expect I'm going to get quality, I'm going to get something entertaining, I'm going to get something fun, which ultimately is what Star Wars is about. It's about fun and yeah. enjoyment, you know? It's about um, time he's had his own chance to make his own movie. And yeah, great for him, and it will it will culminate all these things that he's been working on for a long time. Because Mando has been on since when did Mando come out? What year? I think twenty twenty. Yeah, so it's been a few years, and then obviously the book of Boba Fett and the upcoming Ahsoka to bring all that together. I think rather than you know do what a lot of things do, run these things into the ground until no one's interested anymore, is to strike while they're on top, end it give it its proper send-off and then focus on something else rather than let it become tarnished by its own longevity, I yeah, guess. Because they could easily milk this for another four or five years. Yeah, and there's there's no there's nothing saying that after the movie that they won't continue one or more as some other project. Yeah. Because unless they, <laughs> they all die at the end of it, you know, I'm sure they've got stories to tell. Maybe they end up just making sort of, um, individual movies moving forward, like an Ahsoka movie or whatever, or maybe they tie into the the Ray movie at some point. Yeah, I I, I think that's roughly where it's going to go. Um, it's not going to be like a like a universe like Marvel's is, you know, where it's going to you know everything connects to everything. But there will be, I think, it will you'll have points where things interweave with each other. Yeah, and there'll be crossovers, and then they just go from there. But I think the the key, as we said in the first part of the news, was to build this slowly, build it well. Yeah, and people will keep coming back because it's Star Wars. People are going to come back anyway. Yeah, but you'll get more and more engagement with it if you're going to just do it well, rather than just trying to get everything out there. You know. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. I'll always keep coming back. I'll always keep crawling back to you, Star Wars. Oh, you got me good. I love it. I know. I know. And you'll have a third film as well to look forward to, directed by James Mangold, who did yes. the fabulous Logan. Awesome development, but set in a very different time period. Set 25,000 years before the prequels, and yes. it's called Dawn of the Jedi. So that is another interesting proposition, I yeah. think. Yeah, I mean that that is just it's probably the most untread territory. You know, you've got the old republic side of things which people have been clamoring for for years and I guess you could tie elements of that to this new story. Um I mean, what a director as well to bring that in. Um Logan is probably the best X-Men movie. Oh, 100%. Without a shadow of a doubt, if yeah, not one yeah. of the best superhero the best, movies, or one of the best movies, 
It's just yeah, fantastic. Yeah, just, yeah. just painted with that Theory. brush, yeah. Just a phenomenal movie. Um, so I'm really, really, really keen to hear and see what what nuggets of information we can get out of this because um, they're keeping it sort of close to the chest in terms of what they're going to bring forward. But um, I think that there's there's a hell of a lot of um, opportunity here to sort of really sort of set the ground running in terms of how they want to sort of move the franchise forward in terms of this side of things because this is really just unknown territory. So they've kind of got even more free reign and they're not back, uh, got the baggage of everything that's come before it. So that it, it almost in a way with like Ray and the sequel trilogy, they don't have to worry about upsetting anyone about how things, uh, or like how the continuity can move forward because they'll be starting the continuity. Mm. They can really set the tone. They can do yeah. whatever the hell they want, really. Um, so I, I think this has probably got the biggest freedom for them. And I, it depends on whether or not they want to tie it because in Star Wars at the moment, they've got the original six films. You've got the sequel trilogy eras. You've got the New Republic era. And they've just created sort of in the last couple of years a, a High Republic order era, which mm-hmm. is set, um, I think, a few hundred years before Phantom Menace. Right. So this is like peak Jedi period. You know, they're they're more regal. Um they're you know, they're they're far less sort of humble and like the the old Ronin type ways, uh, the old sort of tired, tattered Jedi robes in um in the Phantom Menace sort of era and this in the, the prequels. They're they're wearing very ornate outfits. They've got the the cross guard lightsabers, more ornate, intricate Excalibur type swords, um, or hilts rather for the lightsabers. Um, so it's a it's a lot more it, it's it's just a lot more um, sort of Jedi centric, and they're more mm-hmm. kind of what I was saying about how it'd be interesting to see how they take it with Ray. Um, they're kind of more the the cops of the galaxy um, do, doing their thing, and it's it's the Jedi at their 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 peak whereby sort of the, the prequels, it was them on sort of the slow decline. So it, it, it'll it be interesting to see if they try and tie in any High Republic side of things with this this new story. It's obviously a fair far years in the distance. So I don't know how much can be brought forward because 25,000 years, that's a huge time scale yeah. that they've got to fill. And I guess they can really just build a whole new canon in that yeah. time period. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It does give them a whole good chunk of time to really play with story play with ideas you know before it comes um back into the timelines that we know of already um so i think it's a it's an interesting one it's obviously full of potential and even more so when you've got someone like james mangold yeah involved you know great director so it, it should be good you know there's i think between all three of these films there's a lot of potential there's a lot that could go right and uh, hopefully um, we will see more soon and we'll get some more information as to what these films will actually pertain to. But I think genuinely, and not something I've said for the last three films, was I'm actually excited for these ones. I'm, potentially. Super, I'm super hyped. I'm super yeah. hyped. But then I, I, I don't have a good 
balance when it comes to Star Wars. I, uh, just, <laughs> you have you have one mod. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's just hype. <laughs> it's just hype, uh, and that's and that's fair. You know, we all have franchises that we're like that with. You know, and we all go, yeah, I'm I'm all in. I'm like I'm like that with bands as well. And then I look back and go, actually, that album. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, by the time I'm like this is the best thing they've ever written. Well, I think I think we've talked about it in a way like with regards to like comic book fans and stuff like that, where there's there's some major fandoms that just go absolutely crazy and i i try not to be the crazy nut job when it comes to star wars but there is an element of star wars that just kind of makes you kind of lose yourself you get so excited i think it's just the the childhood side of things because it was literally star wars was my childhood as much as i said i love Mm -hmm. comic books and things like star wars was everything to me i had all the little old kenner toys and um that used to just be everything to me like i'd run around with a bloody cape on and i'd be i'm darth vader um interspliced with batman and um you kind of just get to this nostalgic giddy childhood phase but i guess the the problem is that you have that and there's this just this protectiveness when it comes to those materials you're just like you can't hurt star wars and you've sullied what my childhood remembers as star wars and i i kind of get why people get so aggressively sort of enthusiastic about their opinions defensive yeah defensive yeah but it's it's like just be like that to yourself get frustrated because that's what i'll have little mad rants about the sequel trilogy now and again i'm like that's not how it works why is Leia flying through the sky like Mary Poppins. That makes no bloody sense. You know, silly things like that to myself, but I'm not going to go and attack the the writers or the actors or anything like that because, frankly, it's not their fault. They're just doing... They don't want to make a crap product. They're just doing what they can do. Just take it easy. Just take it easy. Just That's, that's all I say. Just take it easy. Yeah. Enjoy yeah. it whilst you can, but just don't be, yeah. don't be a dick about it. Yeah, I mean, you're welcome to your opinion, of course. And we encourage uh, constructive debate and criticism. 100% that is how, you know, things evolve and progress. But don't, like you say, don't be a dick. Don't shout at people on the internet, (laughs) (laughs) you know? It's ridiculous. These people do work hard on these projects and they don't, no one sets out to make a bad show or film. So, you know, don't, you know threaten to kill them because they try to yeah. do something a bit different you know it's it's insane and it's crazy unfortunately it's, it happens and there are fandoms out there that still do it to this day yeah. and will always do it but because i mean daisy ridley must have been paid a hell of a whack to come back because the amount I mean, of abuse oh God, that she yeah. got yeah the amount of abuse i mean her john boyega kelly moran tran who oh, played at rose you know, they they were just so victimized and bullied online that they had to remove all their social media accounts. It's just unbelievable. I mean, I don't just, understand why anyone has a social media account anyway, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I just don't see the point. Oh. It just seems nothing but a headache. Well, I, I get it for someone like them because they're trying to advertise their product, but to, it, it just ends up becoming a platform for just hate and just vitriol. Yeah, and it's just yeah. like these are people these are people exactly 100 percent. and some of them have as much love of the properties as you do like john boyegas he was what i loved about him as well is he was just as enthusiastic about the material as we were you know he was like oh yes i i I love star wars i'm so excited to be star wars and it seems like being in these films and the the fans um reaction to these films killed star wars for him which is so sad because i can't imagine having star wars killed for me 
because that's so, like as pathetic as it sounds it's so intrinsic to who i am as a person sort of where i should sort of shape but, myself but yeah it's it's just a it's just it's just very sad to hear that sort of thing oh no don't do that don't do that <laughs> people listening don't do that i know the people listening to this probably don't do that and they're good people but yeah. anyone else don't do that it's not nice and it's not you don't need to do that you know be, be excellent to each other be excellent to each other oh, such a good film um so moving on from the films, we do have some TV shows to talk about as well quickly. Uh, so Andor season two, I haven't actually seen Andor season one yet. It's on my <gasps> list. I know, I know, I know. I've got so much backlog of stuff I need to watch. Um, but Andor season two is coming. I know, obviously, Andor season one has been a massive hit, yes. very well received. Yes, I know you from heard from yourself and other people that. You know, it's fantastic, and I'm ashamed that I haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> I'm ashamed but, for you. <laughs> I'm ashamed for me. So much shame. Um, uh, so this will be coming in 2024, summer 2024. Um, yep. Obviously, I'm not going to ask if you're excited, because that's a given. But, you know, <laughs> all, all for that, right? Oh, 100%. Um, and I think what what's great about Andor, more so than some of the other television shows, is that there's a a clear direction of where it's heading um because obviously whilst all the other mando verse as we're currently calling it or the new republic era tv shows um by their own admission they're sort of planning it as they're going which yeah. works i guess for a tv show but with andor there's a clear direction because it is leading directly into the start of rogue one yes um so tony gilroy has had an outline uh, even by his own admission throughout the, the, the panels that he's been on, um, he's been sort of editing and changing the story and writing it as they're going. But he's had a clear direction of where the story on the whole is going, like what Andor's journey is. Mm-hmm. And that's palpable when you're watching the show because it's a very deliberate show. You know, it's a slow burn, um, but it's, my God, is it a good show? Like just that it's... It's very traditional Star Wars in the in the world building side of things. You know, everything seems to have a deliberate place. Yeah. Everything seems to be. It's got the history there. You know, be it the planet that they start on, be it the the Empire, and it's it's. But at the same time, it's got another sort of backside to these side of things. You get a bit more of the oppression of the planets that are in in part of the Empire. Plus, you see a far more corporate side to the empire rather than the big sort of mustache twizzling villains of the past like granddad yeah no darth vader's no grand admiral thrawn you've got just the bureaucrats and the the politicians at play um even with um um mon mothma sort of the the more political side of things her sort of espionage and scheming side of things in the background it's a more real world telling of star wars and obviously in a big wide galaxy sort of concept but it's it's really really fantastic um and just watch it chris just watch it it's fantastic i will i will i'm finishing my current series that i'm watching and then it's andor after that i i literally nice. make a list of these things to make yeah. sure i watch them because otherwise things just jump around so yeah andor season two sounds good we'll definitely get on season one and we'll let you know my thoughts i think at some point we'll have to have you uh just rank Star Wars properties, uh, and, and see and see how that goes. I do it every day in my head, so I am more than happy to do that for an hour and a bit. <laughs> there's there's an there's an episode there, right there. Um, 
things you could possibly rank in the future though that are coming out are there's two other shows before we get into the main one that we yep. want to talk about so we've got star wars skeleton crew and star wars acolyte so skeleton crew which uh will be starring jude law um the trailer that was shown at the celebration event apparently features kids living in an unnamed forest world they do boring kid stuff like go to school and all that but want more they want adventure and they've made it clear that this isn't a kid's show even though it has kids in it so you know kind of like you know it chapter one has kids in it stranger things has kids in it but they're not for kids necessarily so interesting uh obviously jude law star name in there so it'd be interesting he's he's not a child so i don't know how that plays into (laughs) it but um but yeah interesting skeleton crew What's cool about that as well is I didn't realize until Celebration this year that this is actually connected to the Mandoverse. It the is, Republic. yes, to Mando and Ahsoka. Yes. Yeah, so, it was around the same timeline and the same universe. New, yeah, so uh, this will yep. link in, which is interesting. I thought mm-hmm. this was just a separate property, but it makes sense, I guess, in the long run that this is going to be tethered to it because otherwise why make it? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. Uh, according to what I'm reading here from the footage that has been transcribed, um, one of the kids points to a mysterious character and says he's a Jedi, and then it's turned out to be Jude Law's mysterious character. So Ooh. that's interesting. Jude Law's uh, a Jedi? It, it would just appear that nobody died in Order 66. It was just those in the temple. Everybody yeah. else, Jedi, was fine. Yeah, yeah, it seems that way. It seems like there's a lot more of them than there were than we think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but interesting i'm not sure of the longevity of someone like jude law in a tv series like this however yeah. although you know maybe he's thought like, why not star wars seems like a lot of fun he's been in marvel he's been in now he's been in star wars maybe yeah. he's just thinking yeah why not um yeah. but it seems like he's the kind of guy who would just like to do a many different things type thing. yeah so does this have many seasons isn't it is it going to be a one-off you know bridging series that does something i don't know could be could be a many could be many many different things yeah they've been quite close to the chest with what their uh what the story is behind this one so mm-hmm. i i feel like this might be a, a secret important one you know that although i guess if they if it's going to be that important they'd probably want to put push it a little bit more but i don't know i feel like this will be important the closer we get to the new republic movie yeah potentially yes i reckon Given what we do know about it, it could potentially launch. It will launch before that, and then tie things, and then things get tied up in that movie, yeah. and then because maybe... they've specified that it's not a kids' movie, despite the fact it's got kids in the movie yeah. uh, in the TV show. So, I guess they're just like you're going to want to watch this. It's going to be it, it's going to yeah. be intrinsic to something canonically important. Yes. I think it's going to be so. Um, so we have that. We also have Star Wars Acolyte, which will come from. Leslie Headland, who made Russian Doll, which is a great series of no one's seen Russian Dolls, yeah. um, who apparently pitched it to Kathleen Kennedy as Frozen meets Kill Bill, mm-hmm. um, which is a film I'd want to see, um, <laughs> but is set about 100 years before Phantom Menace and will explore the dark side of the Force. Yes. Obviously, we've had a lot of Jedi-centric news, and now we're moving on to the dark side the of the Force, the Sith, and yes. uh, which is good because the Force is all about balance. So you know, it's nice that we have that uh, yeah. in our in our projects coming up. But um, interesting one, yes. You know, again, very we much don't know so. much about it. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, this is set in the High Republic era, mm-hmm. so 
from what she was describing yesterday, Leslie, she was saying that uh, first name basis, obviously, um, she was saying that this is the tail end of the High Republic era leading into the Phantom Menace. So this is the decline of the Jedi. So this is going to be how the, I guess, the Sith influence the Jedi Order mm-hmm. and sort of bring them to what we're, we're, we recognize them as in the, uh, in the Phantom Menace in the prequel era. So I guess put them on the disarray. So I guess what's really interesting here is this is the deep dive into the law is whether or not we're going to get more young Sidious, mm-hmm. which would be cool because obviously with, with any of these properties, Jedi, Sith, everything like that, it, it, it preserves life so they can be a lot older than they appear to be in real life. Um, plus the uh, Plagueis, Darth Plagueis, would be very interesting, which was Sidious's original master. So it'd be very interesting to see if this is... You're like any- a Star Wars wiki. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Did I ever tell you the story of Darth Plagueis, the wise? <laughs> you know, it, it would be very interesting to see if they finally make him canon, um, so to speak, in terms of visual, and have him be sort of the the orchestrator in the background of whatever's going on in Acolyte. And then you see Sidious sort of take the reins towards the end of the show. This has got me very excited because it's it's cool. Um, you know, Kill Bill, so hopefully there's going to be a lot of awesome choreography with lightsabers. You've got, I can't remember the fella's name from Squid Games in this. Um, so you've got a, a, a wide, diverse cast. I've seen a, a set photograph and they brought him out on the, the panel of... Uh, a Wookiee with a lightsaber, and I'm mm-hmm. all down for that. So, Wookiee Jedi, Wookiee Jedi, I'm down pat for everything. Just sounds really cool for this one. I'm very excited about this. It would have been nice to have a little bit more shown, but I guess it's not coming out for another year. So, still guess, lots to come. Yeah, I guess that's the privilege of being at the event, right? You also, I guess they us. probably want to wait for some announcements for May fourth Star Wars Day, so they might release another trailer of something on that day oh, as well. Hundred percent, hundred percent got to do that um so yeah star wars acolyte and then finally our last bit of nerd news in the tv realm of star wars contain yourself please oh my god oh my god it it is the trailer an actual trailer honest to god trailer that you've watched i don't know how many times you've watched it but i even i've watched it a few times times. uh for the new ahsoka series uh Right, I'm just going to let you go on this one. <laughs> How do you feel? <laughs> I mean, to m- my body is ready. I, I, <laughs> is, your, is your mind ready? Uh, no, not quite. I'm just all <laughs> over the place. It's, I mean, I got very... Emo- I, I, as I said before, like Ahsoka, I, I've come from really disliking her to start with to just she's been up there with some of my f- like just absolute favorite characters of all time in Star Wars. Those are the best characters, the ones that win you over. Yeah, and I think that's probably why I'm even more protective of her or more um, keen on her because she did earn her place. Um, it wasn't like, oh, she looks cool from the get-go, so I'm I'm just immediately in love with her like I was with Darth Vader. But Because um, Darth Vader's the best character, let's just be honest. Let's put it out there. I mean, yes, let's put yeah. And... But then Ahsoka, she, she, she earned her place through trial and error and... I think if that's not a telling of a great character that I don't know who is, but this is so exciting for me, this new show, like Rosie and Dawson just encapsulate everything about um, Ahsoka from what I've seen. Yep. Um, I mean, I feel bad for Ashley Eckstein for not being able to perform the character, 
in live action. But, you know, I guess she sort of passed the torch to Rosario Dawson and um, they seem like they're on good terms. So I'm, I'm fine with it. But she, yeah, like, just fantastic. Just absolutely amazing. I can't be more praising of the the trailer thus far and her performance that I've seen because she was great in Mando season two. Mm-hmm. Yes. But there is so much that's sort of just been teased in this one little trailer that has just got my my little Star Wars brain a whirring. <laughs> You've got Grand Admiral Thrawn, who is exactly. such a huge character in Star Wars, particularly for the extended universe. Played a massive part in um, Rebels TV show. Rebels. And it's, it's played by the same actor, Lars Mikkelsen, um, who was fantastic in the role really encapsulated just in the voice and having seen him as uh what's the fellow's name in Sherlock oh I can't remember but either way him and Sherlock um he was really vile in that and I think if he sort of captures some of that magic to bring in Thrawn I think we're in for a real treat for a villain on in live action form and then the sort of the dark Sith Jedi users who've kind of got the orange ready blades um by Ray Stevenson and I forget the new actor's name, but they both look really, really interesting. Like where, where do they fit in the lore of the Sith? Are they Sith? Are they dark Jedi? Have they got, you know, their fingers in other thumbs? Cause a lot of the symbolism that you see in the background of the Ahsoka show has got to do with, um, again, huge encyclopedic um, deep dive is the world between worlds. Now, this is the uh, sort of introduced in Rebels, and it is because did you ever watch Rebels? Yes, yes. So, with the world between worlds, we kind of know that Ezra Bridger, who was the little hologram that you see, yes, Sabine was watching in the trailer, um, he was very important in that because he got in there, which is kind of the, the space between the Star Wars world and kind of the, the multiverse or the the timeline side of things in Star Wars. Because when you're in this space, it's like a space outside of the real world. And you can see and you can hear windows into other timelines, other galaxies. Um, Because Ezra spends his time there and you can hear Kylo and Rey. You can hear the the sequel era, uh, sorry, the prequel era. And in this particular moment that he's in there, he actually saves Ahsoka from death. Mm-hmm. because in season two of rebels you know darth vader ahsoka they finally have a head-to-head they're fighting and as far as we were aware in watching the show ahsoka dies in that confrontation because two people enter only one person walks out yeah but what you find out in season three is that the reason she survives is because ezra actually pulls her out at the last minute through a window or a portal in this world between worlds and seemingly pulls her from the past into the present. And that, I mean, that just opens and expands the world of Star Wars just infinitely. Yeah. And it seems like that was something that was created and, you know, it was it was suggested by George Lucas, but Dave Filoni sort of took that forward and he's had sort of the bigger influence in, in how that's moved forward. Yeah, it creates, that's, a that's, whole new, it creates a whole new sandbox for them to play. Yeah, I mean, that's massive. Massive. And... Uh, and I think, you know, it was sort of initially put in and then kind of just 
didn't amount to much. And I feel like this is going to be really important to Ahsoka moving forward. And I feel like this is almost about what she's looking into and maybe what Thrawn himself is, is trying to um, get his dip his finger into. And same with these dark Jedi, whether or not they've got a malicious, in, malicious intent on using this. Um, so I, I think there's a hell of a lot of promise with this. And just seeing all the cast of Rebels being sort of brought back in live action form is brilliant. Um, Hera, Sabine, the cast they've got just look the spitting image of the TV show. Um, I mean, I can fangirl for this for the next hour and a half, so we probably should move on. But <laughs> I'm, so, <laughs> I'm so excited about this. And there's so much to talk about in just a few minutes. Yeah, the the trailer the trailer looks fantastic. Obviously, Rosario Dawson is absolutely epic actress in everything she's in, anything she's in, from you know, Daredevil, all those kind of stuff that she's ever been in has been of such high quality. So I, yeah. I feel like it's she, nice to see her put as the the forefront character because she's always yeah, been very exactly. much the side character. Exactly, and this this was a point I had as well. She's never been the star. I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, and she absolutely deserves to be. I think this is fantastic. Obviously, uh, Ahsoka coming back in, Mando, uh, coming into Mando season two was a big, I was like, oh, exciting moment for me. And it, the, the fact that they've just expanded on it from there just shows the strength of A, the character, the performance, and the demand for, as you say, Ahsoka to be more involved in the Star Wars universe is yep. ever growing given how beloved the character she is. So I'm really excited to see this. Can't wait. Um, there's a lot of exciting stuff happening in the Star Wars universe, which is a really nice sentence to say. You know? Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of promise in what, what's been announced. Yeah. And I think that's probably yeah. the most exciting thing is that yeah. we're in unknown territory, but there seems to be a, a promising, I don't want to say good because we don't know yet, but a promising direction that they're taking. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm very keen for it. Yeah, exactly. And we will, I guess, see what happens when we know more. Probably on uh, May the 4th, to be honest. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's when it makes most logical sense. I think we need to do another Star Wars-centric episode. Oh, yeah. Um, please, please, around, please, around, please, 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 yes, just for we'll, me. <laughs> it's, it's okay, Toby. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um <laughs> I feel unshackled in this episode. You do, you do. Uh, I need to. That's what I'm saying. We need to give you an episode to really like let, let the chains <laughs> off and just go. It's <laughs> like, Toby's Star Wars hour. I'm just gonna hit record and leave for an hour and a half, Toby. So you can. <laughs> no, it's great. I love passion. It's yeah. We'll, we'll definitely get a Star Wars. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
centric episode on the on the horizon soon um well that's all the time we have for nerd news we spent a lot of time but there was a lot to go through on that <laughs> one so um that was fine but we're going to get now into the main event da, 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 da. Dungeons and Dragons entered the world back in 1974 when it was first published as the fantasy tabletop role-playing game everyone knows today and has since gone on to be one of, if not, the most solid cornerstone of nerd culture, along with things like Star Wars. Over the last 50 years, its influence on everything from films, TV, books, and video games is undeniable and has since seen a resurgence in recent times thanks to shows like Stranger Things and Critical Role. Now a new movie based on the game itself has hit our cinemas, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, in which Charming Thief, played by Chris Pine, and a band of unlikely adventurers embark on an epic quest to retrieve a lost relic, but things go dangerously awry when they run afoul of the wrong people. Now, we both watched this film this week, just come out for people listening, just to understand. Uh, I'm a big D&D player, I've been playing for a number of years, Uh, eight, seven or eight to be precise. You've never played D&D. I have not. I have not. Which we are going to remedy very very soon. Yes, I am. I am completely a novice when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons. I I like the concept. Um, I've just never been involved with a friend group that has ever played it. Or I don't think I really know anybody who, because I'm I'm big on board games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I I guess I need because I I've played Warhammer as as the podcast knows from talking to Ian about it. I backed way too many Kickstarter projects, so I had <laughs> thousands of board game boxes yeah. that uh, just piled up. And I, I mean, I I regularly go away with a few friends, and we play board game weekends. You know, big mm-hmm. big nerd yeah. fests. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm all down for it. Just never had the opportunity to play it. That makes sense. My my introduction to D and D actually came through board games as well. Weirdly, um, so a friend of mine, Oliver East, if you're listening, um, he is, I guess, a semi professional reviewer for. He used to do video games. Oh, nice. Now he does board. Now he does board games. He has his own YouTube channel called Don't Be Bored, um, oh, which cool. you should go and check out if you're into board games or anything like that. Go and listen to him because he's very knowledgeable, very good at what he does, and has tons of board games. So he basically. He gets tons of board games sent to him to review, and he's got tons and tons. And he would basically, I used to work with him, uh, oh, cool. which is how we met. Mm-hmm. And he, we would always, uh, once a week, have after hours at work sessions where we would stay in the office after hours and play and play board games. So, oh, nice. you know, he, he introduced me to all the starter ones, like, you know, Ticket to Rise, Settles of Catan, all those kind of stuff. And then obviously just evolved we're playing all kinds of like twilight imperium all that kind of stuff but he was a he's a massive nerd like me we're both really now into lego we send each other we i think we're competing <laughs> over who can who can buy the most lego in a single year um but God, we're such nerds aren't we, we are such nerds <laughs> but we basically started playing these video uh these board games um my best friend rich he was part he's part of the group who did this and he basically said like you ever thought about playing D and D, and I was like, "Oh man, that seems like a step too far." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "I don't know if I'm ready for that," because I've heard of obviously the rule book and you know all this mechanics, and it seemed very convoluted and complicated and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah. and he was like, "No, no, we should try it," because he'd start. He just started watching Critical Role. Critical Role had just become a thing at this point. Um, which for anyone who doesn't know what Critical Role is, is a web based TV show uh, on the internet that basically a bunch of voice actors very good voice actors play dungeons and dragons i'm sure everyone's heard of critical role and now legend of vox maca it's obviously become its own massive thing but 
Yeah, it's it amazing was, how that's all worked out. Yeah, it was new at this point. It was still on Geek and Sundry. It was still like very much very lo-fi, like recorded <laughs> in you know the back of a room somewhere, I think. Um, but he just got into that, and he was getting me into it, and then I started watching that, and we basically started playing D&D and I remember making a range I basically made myself Aragorn for our first session nice, uh, nice. as a as a ranger because I was like well I want to play something I can kind of know and be familiar with yeah um then I quickly moved we, we did a few sessions of that and then we thought we'll start a campaign proper and then I picked a bard and I've played that bard okay for eight years <laughs> so wow um yes two variations of which I'll get into later but I will um <laughs> But D&D for me is definitely in the top five things of my life that I'm most passionate about. Uh, oh, wow. I love it. And my me, me and my group don't get together often enough, but we did get together to go and watch this film yeah. this week. So let's get into the actual film itself. What did you think? Ooh, well, I guess I'll probably be briefer than you will in terms of your deconstruction. It's of my it. turn, Toby. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I'll make space. Um I, I enjoyed it. I think it was you could see its influences um, very clearly. I think it was very. It felt to me like um, like Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. I kind of got big Guardians of the Galaxy vibes when I was watching this. You know, the ragtag group, very misfitty. You've got kind of the archetypes as well. Um, I mean, I'm sure that that fits very much into the Dungeons and Dragons sort of mythos, but uh, um, it was it was good. I, I enjoyed it. A lot of the lore went over my head in terms of sort of the references. I, there was a few bits and pieces that I recognised, like Baldur's Gate, but more so less because I knew it was connected to Dungeons and Dragons, but just because I knew the video game. Yeah. Um, which I also didn't realise was connected to Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, can- canonically, yeah. Same as Neverwinter. Nice. <laughs> See, I, n- none of this I was I was aware of. Uh, you could have said World of Warcraft, and I would have believed you. Um, but I, I'm I'm I love fantasy, so I'm big on fantasy, and I'm I'm quite picky about the fantasy I liked uh, or like. Like Lord of the Rings is up there with my my favorite of all times. Yeah, yeah um, I love the first Willow. Um, yeah, I can't, yeah. I can I kind of like the darker, grungier um your highness not your highness sorry um oh god what's the film now called with um inega montoya you killed my father oh, the, princess, the princess bride princess bride yes 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 that's that's another one that i love um so much i forgot the title of it um so i mean there's there's lots of fantasy films out there i feel that there's a lot of rubbish ones as well oh I, yeah um so i feel like it's a hard media to or a hard genre to really get right because you either go kind of too com- comedic or comedy-esque where it kind of loses that sort of fantasy element and anything that could be sort of taken seriously just becomes a laugh or they take it too seriously and it kind of loses the the mystique and majesty of what they're, they're talking about. I always thought Lord of the Rings sort of brought the best balance of both. 100%. Um, so... <sighs> Yeah, it's it's hard because fantasy and sci-fi are my two favorite, and I think that's why Star Wars works for me because it's sort of a best blend of the two. Um, so, I, in terms of what I, I, I liked the film, I really liked the film, but there was a lot that went over my head, and I, there was a few bits in the film that I felt kind of stopped and started. I felt I felt that the beginning was very strong, 
and there was a few of like the adventures that they went on or like the little quests to go here to pick up this or whatever was quite fun and i i, I kind of felt that it was losing it towards the end that's my perception um i i felt like some of the characters were stereotype by design. design yeah you know the barbarian was the barbarian mm-hmm. the, the the one character that did irk me a little bit was the magician or the wizard um, uh the sorcerer the, the sorcerer, sorcerer yeah yeah now by design i know he was supposed to be kind of annoying but i felt like he <laughs> he did his job too well and annoyed me um <laughs> now that that actor he's he's I, i've kind of got a love-hate relationship with him because i loved him in detective pikachu but then in some of the other things I've seen him in, like Jurassic Park, Jurassic I kind of just Park, found yeah. him frustrating. Um, and yeah. I felt like this was kind of the blend of both. Like when he was doing his sorcerer thing, he was badass, but he was whinging about it. It was kind of just tiresome after the first few times because it, it went from being funny to being just annoying. Um, and the the owl bear shapeshifter what do they call that character again druid the druid yeah so the the druid character really cool premise really cool character on the whole but i felt like in terms of the the actor i don't think she was good other than bits that her cgi character was doing like the mouse or the the deer or the owl bear or something like that other than that i don't think she was given much to do and i think in terms of dialogue she was criminally underutilized because she was, she's a great actor. I thought she was one of the best uh, of the kids in it part one. Yes. And I feel that her in particular was kind of underutilized for her skill in favor of being the, the straight face or the straight woman of the crew. Yeah. So someone would say something goofy and she would be the straight guy to say, Oh, well, if, if you make, so you make plans that fail, you know, that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. I don't think she was given, the opportunity to come out of her shell and really have much to do other than just be that role. Mm-hmm. Um, but in ter- <laughs> I'm just being overly negative here, but I, I, I did enjoy it. I thought it was a, it was a good sort of couple hours of fun. Um, but I, I, I really want to sit here more about what you thought, because you're the authority on this out of the two of us. Uh, right. I, so obviously I, I'll, I'll probably caveat, my review by saying i do believe if you're a player of D, you will get more more out of this film than if you're not and okay. i think i think that's not always by design i feel like sometimes they forgot about the general movie gore yeah i feel like some of the references as you might have found yourself get lost because you don't know the i guess the game yeah um but uh for someone who has played the game, I can only review it from my perspective. I was, I was, I'm going to use a phrase I never use. I was smitten with this film. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I was, uh, yeah, I just, so I got really gritting your teeth whilst I was just, uh, no, no, not at all. I look, I, the, the, I guess the, the, the critic side of me totally agrees with everything you're saying. I, and I do agree, for example, the performances as well. I think, some of the actors suffer from being cast opposite Chris Pine, who's probably one of the most charismatic people. He is, ever. he is fantastic. So to have him basically taking up the scene with his charisma really highlights, you know, other the weaknesses of the, the weaknesses others, yeah. of the others. And not that, because you're right, um, 
the uh, Sophia Lillis who played the druid Doric is fantastic in it. Chapter one, um, she's 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 a great actress, and obviously Justice Smith, who's been in um, Pokemon Detective Pichu, which he was very good in. Um, I feel like Jurassic World wasn't his fault, <laughs> but no. you know, uh, there's only was... so many times I can hear him scream, though. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but what I would say is, I I said this because I so like I said, I played a I play a bard uh, in D and D. Not only do I play a bard, I play a bard who is a member of the Harpers. Uh, oh, not only okay. not only that, my wife, my character's wife, has a tragic backstory uh, and has a uh, complicated relationship with their child um, so I said to my friends they basically kept looking at me throughout the film going this is you this is your character like on screen and, uh, uh, and, uh, and okay. it was it was, it was probably the closest I'll ever get to watching a biopic of myself when I watch my character <laughs> on screen and I was watching it and I was just like this is is great because it, it's just like highlighting all of the things i love about the game all the like the little joke about the when they're talking with the dead people and they get to ask five questions yes that um, was that was good actually yeah yeah that reminds me of the first time our group ever used that spell top with dead and we kept asking each other questions and our dm would just take that as a question you're like oh no not no not you <laughs> not, and, you're, oh. and it's just but i guess that brings me back around to my point of that's where that's a typical moment where you'll get more out of these moments if you've been there, I guess, and played the game. Yeah. Um, I do to- and I totally agree with the Guardians of the Galaxy analogy. I think this is uh, a Marvel film slightly in disguise, I yeah. think. Um, specifically Guardians, you know, exactly the the same conceit, ragtag bunch of people get together for a common goal, even though they probably would never have aligned otherwise circumstances bring them together but yeah i think it really worked i really uh, i i i really loved the film because it kind of i guess maybe in the same way star wars as for you it just throws your passion back at you and yeah. says here's yeah. all the stuff you love like and you go oh yeah it's great and i because when this was announced and I, even when i think I, I, we're on record on this podcast even on the trailer i was skeptical yeah. You know, I think any um property that uses uh a, or using an existing IP as its base is always a risk, as we've yeah. seen many times over the years. Um but I was so pleasantly surprised, so happy that it wasn't, you know, completely butchered. There are some things in there that are a bit, you know, they play with the rules, but obviously that's always gonna happen for for cinema and TV, you know, they gotta do that i just i do think maybe they left the general movie gore behind a little bit the non D player but i think they held their hand enough i mean i at no point was i lost in in terms of like there was never a point where they were going so heavy on the exposition or the lore dump that i got lost i, I thought everything was very hmm. accessible i think just some of the references in terms of locations i was like okay you know that's over my head in terms of what they are. You know, so if someone said sort of Tatooine or Coruscant, if you sort of bring it to Star Wars, I'd be like, oh, cool, I know those references. But, you know, for you, you'll be like, oh, cool, I know those references. That's that's badass. I'm glad they referenced those things. Um, my, my question about... Because overall, I think I really enjoyed the film, and it was far better than I was expecting, because much like yourself, I was extraordinarily skeptical of it. 
Um, I thought it was going to be the Chris Pine show. And to a degree, I did think it, I kind of felt you were kind of torn between performances of either uh, Chris Pine and Hugh Grant, because I thought Hugh Grant did a really good job with the character he was. He was just absolutely revolting um, in the best way. I thought he was fantastic. But but I'm interested to find, because is this, knowing nothing about Dungeons and Dragons, is this based on a particular quest and is 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 does this sort of sto- follow the story beats of a particular quest in Dungeons and Dragons? Um, I I can't say for certain. I don't think so because I I like I say I obviously went with um, three of my friends who I play Dungeons and Dragons with. Yeah. Um, one of whom is our DM who knows who has to know a lot of stuff about yeah. the world, and two of which play Dungeons & Dragons with two other groups as well. Oh, so wow. they know a lot of stuff. And they never really said, oh, this is from this, this is from this. Obviously, there are references from various things. For example, yeah. the dragon, the chubby dragon. Yes, that, one of the highlights. <laughs> I love the fat dragon. Yeah, um, is is definitely a canonical reference from a campaign that I cannot for the life of me remember right now, but we'll... Cool. We'll, we'll strive to remember as we talk, but um, <laughs> but I guess the beauty of Dungeons, so I, for example, I DM a session and my friend DMs a session and obviously we all do things and we all do one shots and campaigns. So I have a campaign that's running in a certain setting, yeah. but you, there are certain rules, again, much like Star Wars, where the universe is built and you have certain things that are known in the is world. Thembershoud. Thembershoud, yes. I just yes. googled it. I had I had to find out the name. Thembershoud. Yes. yes, that is the name of the dragon. I cannot remember. It is. It is just. But these are things that are canonically known, depending on where you place your characters in the timeline. So uh, okay, there's various timelines in D and D as well. So you can play within um, Forgotten Realms or other, you know, um, places uh, and times. Um, but there are things that are known. Um, depending on what time you're playing. So, for example, my campaign is set much longer before the other campaign, the main campaign we play. So you just, it's so nerdy. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is the nerdiest episode we've ever done. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot There's a lot in there that obviously, like, gelatinous cubes, owlbears, they are staples of the, of the game. Uh, cool. Neverwinter, Baldur's Gate, they all exist. It's just in what time frame they exist. Depending on what time frame they exist, certain things will be true canonically. Certain things will have happened. Dragons yeah. will have torched a place in one uh, timeline, and then it will have been rebuilt, or it will be pre that era, etc. Yeah. So there's a lot going on. It never, the film never really gets into the nitty gritty of that. It finds references that it can. It doesn't just pluck them out, which is good. It doesn't yeah. just pluck out and go, "Oh, here's an elbow, here's a here's a thing." It does make them make sense, you know, rather than just throwing them in there. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything uh, out of place. Um, what I, I guess what I'm what I do feel is things like the Harpers, obviously. As my character is a member of the Harpers, I know what the Harpers are all about. The Emerald Enclave, those kind of uh, uh, factions. There's many, there's a few yeah, main they didn't factions. Build the lore on that too much yeah. in the movie, did they? And they didn't necessarily need to, but you, Chris Pine being a member of the Harpers, or sorry, uh, Edgen being a member of the Harpers, is interesting in a different way for me because I know what the Harpers, I guess, ethos and way of working is about, which isn't explored in the film. Yeah. Um. So for him to make certain choices to be in that faction means certain repercussions or 
makes me think certain things about his character that you probably wouldn't get if you weren't a player of the game. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. So, and but I don't think anything. I don't think that detracts from the film. I just think there are definitely certain things that would embellish it more and maybe give you a bit more context to it if you yeah. are in that world. Much like anything, you know, any kind of franchise or IP that you know more about going in will give you more coming out. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I I thought it was an interesting direction for the story to take, because um, you know, I guess typically you'd think of sort of Dungeons and Dragons or like high fantasy side of things like that. You think some epic quest to save the universe or save the world from some impending doom, and that was kind of the back, like the side story mm-hmm. to this overarching sort of narrative throughout the film, uh, particularly with like the end. I thought they, they they kind of took the winds out of the bad guy's sails quite quickly, which yeah. was quite fun. I liked the way they sort of um, inverted our expectations on that one because I thought we were going to sort of head towards some big showdown, and there was to a degree, but not in the way that I was expecting. Yeah, it was it was well done. I feel like, well, I feel, I, feel, I do feel like the they kept it fresh for most of the film. You there are some points where it does seem to um, not hit quite as high high points i guess in between the bits um the end does kind of jump up and down a little bit for me as well but i do i did like the jet from start to finish i think it was generally well paced and generally well yeah you know it had moments of levity and then it had it it does have a heart to the story as well obviously and there's a there's an emotional core runs right throughout all the way from start to finish and gives you something to actually really care about why they do what they do which is always something some films don't do it's like okay your characters are funny and they're entertaining but why should i follow them to for two hours why do i care what they're going to do at the end you know whereas in this one i feel like we get that um everyone's got goals every every character's got something to to move towards and that is a another essence of dnd is obviously you don't play as a player you play as a party so um all the characters in my group have backstories that when you start as a group you don't know i yeah. they don't they don't well they're listening to this now they might know part of my backstory but um <laughs> they they've got backstories that we've explored in game and stuff and that's how it should be you, you should everyone should be as important as the next people yeah um so um edgin holga holga's obviously got her stuff going on simon's got his his deal and so's doric you know yeah. they've all got stakes in the game they've all got reasons to follow each other to the end yeah uh, rather than just being the chris pines character and three others who just have nothing better to do yeah i mean speaking about holger's sort of backstory you, you kind of just, <laughs> just reminded me of what actually one of my favorite scenes was um spoilers if uh, if no one's seen it the uh, the cameo Oh. maybe i won't say the name of who it was but so the, unexpected the, the, the cam the cameo in there i was like wow okay i did not see him coming to be a, there a, a bona fide a-list star yeah <laughs> but you know what was actually quite funny was that scene was really quite tender what would have been sort of thrown away as like a you know or oh, a, a domestic sort of drama or frustration or oh, you know we split up because of this that and the other it was actually kind of tender it was and it, it it was actually quite emotional, and it felt very amicable. Like yeah, they broke up, but it was because you know, well, you couldn't quite leave that behind. I still I loved you, this that and the other. I I thought there there was a really nice tenderness behind it. So it was amusing throughout just 
the subject of it. Yeah. But the actual narrative and the, the conversation was actually quite tender. And I think there were little bits like that throughout the whole thing that resonated well and i thought that was quite nice i like that scene yeah it's a good scene and i i, I did do a double take when that person appeared yeah. i was like wow i mean i was like how did that like get arranged i don't even know how that came to be but i feel like it, 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 i agree it's a really good scene and it, it again it speaks to the emotional core of the film it's not just yeah. about laughs and action and you know fantasy it's it does actually bring you into the story make you care about the characters i feel like michelle rodriguez is really good in this um, yeah yeah because she's obviously the i guess the yin to chris pang yang obviously he's very charismatic outspoken you know boisterous and she's complete opposite but she yeah. has some brilliant deadpan one-liners in this film that are yeah. just that some of them just floored me some of the some of the lines in this just floored me completely and i was just like she's she's great in this and i feel yeah. She really she played the type very well. I mean, that is a hot, like tough girl is or tough person is very Michelle Rodriguez's sort of staple, and I think this kind of brought that to a head. And I think really it gave her the opportunity to sort of play with it a little bit. But like you, and yeah, but like you say, with that heart, a heart yeah. to it as well. Yeah, no, she, and she's had some awesome action scenes. Oh god, some yeah. of the fights were fantastic with her, and she's such a she's so convincing in them as well. She yeah, like you could fully believe like that scene you have just before they're about to get um, beheaded, where she's yeah. beating everyone up, and you could I fully believe every minute of the way that Michelle Rodriguez is literally doing every single inch of that action scene she is yeah she's a, just just the conversation about the axe was fun it well. was so good yeah it was great and speaking of but my favorite standout must have been reggie john page's uh Jean Gendar, the paladin um i think for me oh yeah he was brilliant he he played it so straight but obviously so tongue-in-cheek typical but quintessential he, paladin. he was another he was another reference point to me where I thought Guardians of the Galaxy because he reminded me a lot of Drax. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, he, even with like not understanding metaphors. Like colloquial, I don't do colloquialism. Yeah, I don't. I don't do colloquialism. <laughs> uh, the 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 scene where he's walking towards the rock and he just walks <laughs> over. <laughs> oh no, he's just going straight over. Okay, and he's like, oh, yeah, he, that was brilliant. He walks in such a straight line. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so is is that very archetypal to the paladins? Yeah, palad- paladins generally are sworn to an oath. You know, they they're not always good, obviously, but typically the I guess the conception or the perception of a um, paladin is they have a, a sworn oath that's usually aligned with good that they yeah. are ho- they um, live for, and yeah. that is that is their reason for being and they are generally it's, it's good you do get dark paladins but you like I say 90 percent of your paladins if not more will be of the good um yeah. alignment um and he was in it a lot less than i thought he would be yeah well. he was because he, he was going to be a main like part of the crew yeah because he's in he's quite heavily featured obviously reggie john page is uh is quite a you know famous actor obviously having yeah. been in um, bridgerton bridgerton um and you know other things and like the gray man i think he's in as well uh, remember? oh yeah 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 that's yeah. yeah that's the yeah that's what it's called gray man yep um but i feel like he played it to the point where it it's it's not pantomime of that kind of idea yes. so yes. and yeah. there's a great balance for it and basically the, the 
the, he he he's he's the archetype of because he's so good at what he does. Obviously, the character he's such a great fighter. He's so charismatic. He just helps people. Everyone loves him. He's he's the guy that when our DM introduces someone that joins our party for a short period of time, say we're going into a dungeon, and yeah. we there's this guy in town who's like a warrior, and he's he just kills everything. He's really good. And we we just turn to our DM and go, "Can he just join our party? I mean, can he not just be with us permanently?" And then, but they played on that as well. He's like, "Can you not just come with us and do all the work?" And then he just walks yeah. away. And it's like it's yeah. like that in uh, in D and D as well when you. DM goes no he has to go for reasons um yeah. <laughs> you know and and I also like there was like a little thing that obviously happens in video games where the NPC starts off on a monologue and then Chris Pankar goes no oh, no no okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> skip skip dialogue on this one yeah <laughs> you're like no I'm good um yeah. but yeah I thought they were great Hugh Grant like you said was great he's obviously I didn't know he was going to be the bad guy but Obviously, if he, anyone's going to be a bad guy, it's him. He plays such a good villain. Yeah, he loves it, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he he was brilliant. I, I think there was a, there was a lot of standout scenes where he made me chuckle. Like um, just just his picture on a lot of the posters and things yeah. like that. Just so like a a cheesy grin. Um, he just he he seemed more so in a lot of films that I've seen him in lately. He seemed like he was having a good time. Everyone did, but. Some of the scenes, like particularly like um, where Michelle Rodriguez and Chris Pine have gone to see him just after getting out of prison, and uh, the the wizard sort of sinks him into the floor. Mm. You know, after he's like, "I'm the villain," ha 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 ha, mis- uh, mustache twirling. That bit there, and ever uh, like proceeding, just seemed to be him having the best time playing this role. Yeah, and it was it was fun to watch because of that. You know, when he's doing the announcements on that big pillar, I was thinking, bloody hell, he's really tall up there, like high up there. He should have a railing or something. And then they even reference that. So this is too high. I've, we never agreed to this. You know, just bits like that I thought were really amusing. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of genuinely funny lines in this, and he has quite a few of them. You know, when he's, yeah. when he's talking about the tea, it's too hot. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's blisteringly it's blisteringly hot. hot. We talked about this, and then, yeah. and then she sticks her finger in it, and he's yeah. like, "Oh, I didn't, I didn't realize." I'm just going to leave that. I'll uh, just leave that for later. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, that was brilliant. It's great. There's a lot of good one-liners in there, like I say, and I think most of the characters all get in on the comedy. Obviously, some more than others. Chris Pine's character is obviously going to get most of the moments, but. Um, I like I really like the recurring joke with the potatoes, like yes, <laughs> which yeah. happened. And then um I didn't really know where the intro was going with Jonathan. Uh when he said, <laughs> is, is Jonathan coming? And then it just transpires into this massive thing. And it's yeah. just it's just so well eked out. It's a great way to deliver backstory and context, but also keep it fresh with yeah. you know, laughs and stuff. Um yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um any other moments that stand out for you good or bad that maybe didn't quite hit the mark or some really great ones um i mean i i really enjoyed the portal scene in inside the carriage oh yeah um, they got a portal thought, gun <laughs> yeah yeah it, i i'll ask you in a second whether or not that's something in in the game but i i i really like that scene i thought that was really cleverly done um i loved the fat dragon fight or chase uh, i thought that was really fun um the the paladins fight against the 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 undead guys was pretty cool sorry i'm i'm 
I, I used all my law centric knowledge with Star Wars. I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't remember any of the law now for D and D. But um, I thought that the the undead fight was really cool. Um, the, the but I, I kind of felt like they were built up to be a bigger threat, and then but which I kind of think was the thing that kind of lost me, and I think was almost a deliberate effort was that they built the uh, the red wizards and their clan as. I mean, it could be something they build into a future sort of franchise with this, because I can't imagine this could be the last one because it seems to be doing quite well. Um, they were built up as quite the big antagonists, and they were sort of, his entrance was pretty badass with him cutting off all those soldiers' heads um, with his green fiery sword. And then they were kind of dismissed quite quickly. And I guess they weren't the overarching threat. It was really the Red Wizard yeah. at the end. Um, but but even she, I mean, she had a very Loki demise at the end. I felt the owl bear smashing her into the ground was very Hulk esque mm-hmm. um, with Loki and Avengers. Um, and I thought the final fight was good. I don't think everyone was quite as utilized as much as others. Um, I thought the the sort of thumb war esque two hands fight was quite fun, yeah, and quite yeah. unique. Um. There were lots of good moments, but I, I think my sort of points still stand about where I felt in terms of my criticisms. I think certain characters weren't utilized as much as others. Mm. Um, and I, I I think that they weren't given enough to sort of play with. I felt like they were more of a prop in terms of what their character did, opposed to what they as an actor could do, um, particularly Sophia Ellis. Um, and I think it was a little choppy in places. But I think, again, that was also by design about how they were sort of zipping all over the place. It felt like the MacGuffin hunt in terms of we've got to get this to get to there, to get to this, to get to there. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. I, I guess is possibly a Dungeons and Dragons thing. But I, I mean, I enjoyed it on the whole. I I, I, I really did enjoy it. I, I don't, I wouldn't say it was a bad film by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I think I'm probably a little bit less biased than you are, so I can be a little bit more objective about how yeah, I feel. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, I think that the film, and I've said it already, I think the film generally gives more to those who played the game, and that's and you're right, it's maybe harder for me to be a bit more objective because it's like <laughs> it's like watching something I've been playing for nearly that part of a decade yeah. come back to me on screen and see all the stuff I love be, I guess, and I, I, I must have been in a, in a theater full of people who've always played the game because the laughs just kept coming at all the little jokes, but I was conscious of that there were probably jokes that wouldn't necessarily translate to everyone. So I guess for me, it was, I was, I, I, and I'll, I'll happily admit, I was probably swept in a wave of fandom and, you know, uh, love for a certain yeah. IP. Um, however, the film isn't perfect. Obviously, you know there are issues with it. I feel like some of the characters are underused. Totally agree with that. I feel like um, some of the. I feel like, for example, the Red Wizard was very one-dimensional. It was just very yeah. much brooding yeah. in the corner until her big moment at the end. You know, it yeah. wasn't yeah, very. 100%. You know, there wasn't a lot of. I thought maybe when she was having her conversation with the sh- the the creature in the shadow, that there would be a bit more of a you know. Yeah, I felt like that was a, that was building to something yeah, a little bit more, more of a turmoil, just... more of an inner turmoil kind of thing, yeah. or something like that. I don't know. Um, maybe she's not just doing this for her reasons, but then it was basically just, I feel like a one dimensional kind of 
Yeah, just just the baddie. Baddie. Um, yeah. I think for one of my favorite going moving on to favorite bits again was um the the scene with the distraction which goes wrong where chris pine just starts mel- oh, yeah. mel- melting <laughs> um i've definitely been there in a session where because my character is not very uh combat orientated spellcaster but doesn't get up close and personal my job is more utilities distraction get people from yeah. here to here to there um i believe the head the other staff was created for the film um from okay. What I've, from what I understand, it's not canon. I could be wrong. Please, because that that was very um, Deus Ex Machina. I was like, oh, we need that. You've got it. Yeah, there are. That's handy. There are obviously spells that can do certain things like that. You have teleportation spells, etc. And I do like the fact that they kept to certain things. Like I can only do this so many times a day because that's how it works. Obviously, otherwise yeah. you'd just be casting spells all over the place. You know, I, I did like that conversation about magic because it, it's, it's an age old meme where it's like, Oh, it was just magic did that or just magic it away. And it's like, that's not how magic works. You just can't do it forever. Yeah. You can't just fix everything. Exactly. And I think for example, the attuning to the helmet is obviously a big thing. When you get a magical item, generally in D D you need to attune to it. Um, oh, you need, okay. you need to, um, there, you, you know, when after a dungeon crawl, <laughs> Everyone has the post dungeon crawl tavern. Everything's on the table, going right. What, is this good for you? Is this good for me? Is this good? Can I have this? You know, I don't use a shield, but I do use this thing. You know, um, and then you basically, okay. and then your DM will go, "Well, you need to attune to that," which is usually a process of just spending time with it rather than doing things. But depending on the item, you might have to do certain things. And I really like that they kind of got that across. You can't just stick yeah. on the helmet and use it. Just like um, so, my character's musical magical instruments um which Do you play the lute as well i have a lute a mandolin and various other ones that I've, nice. i'm collecting um uh, yes of course i have a lute uh every every bard <laughs> has a lute it's D. okay for it. it's the staple yes yeah, the staple um but yeah so but to use but not anyone can use them someone else tried to use them for example in our campaign that wasn't me things could happen to them it's not a simple case of you can just pick it up and use it it's so there's a lot of that as well um obviously some things you can like a sword you can pick up and use but if something's got a magical yeah. element to it you realistically need to be in a position or have the certain strength to use it so for example a level one wizard wouldn't be able to hold the most powerful magical artifact in the world because they're obviously a level one wizard so you need certain elements to that and i do and i like that whole element to it that you could just you can just pick up a thing you can't helmet. just be op from the start you can't just be op from the start because then that defeats the point of growth and one of the best things about D and this film is how four um or five people in a group can come together not knowing anything about each other, what they can do, um, who they are, where they come from, and go on this journey and grow together as yeah. much as it does in the film. Um, in every campaign I've I've played or one shot, usually starts in a tavern, which which this didn't happen. But usually you just all meet in a tavern <laughs> through some kind of weird Deus Ex Machina or you know um, fight. Um, but then you go on this massive thing, but you don't know what anyone does. You, yeah. If anyone who's ever watched any of the first episodes of any of the seasons of Critical Role, you don't know what you're, what you're, obviously you know who the people are, but you don't know what their characters are. You don't know what they do. You don't know what they're good at. You don't know what their strengths are. 
one of them might be a rogue, but you won't know that till four sessions in the road. You don't know if they can pick locks. You don't know if they can make things fly, you know, and then it's all about finding that out. And I think that's what the essence of this film gets is a, a group of people that have come together with all kinds of strengths and backstories, but able to come together and become this one unit. And yeah. I really liked that. And I really liked how it handled the the essence of D&D, I guess, as well, which I hope one day when we start getting you playing, you, 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 you'll, you'll be as smitten by the game as I am because I absolutely <laughs> love it. And I think in terms of, in a, I'm going to get really philosophical now, in a time when, you know, obviously everything's digital and everything's, you know, online gaming and stuff like that, D&D is very much of a, the best social interaction, creating a story together and just building something. And I feel like this film captures the, the essence of that, if not from start to finish, but bro- but most of the time. And yeah. It's a good, fun two hours to spend oh yeah i mean ultimately criticisms aside it is a good film mm. um you know i i tried to bring the criticism more just to be objective but i i, I enjoyed it a great deal yeah. um and as i said it was far better than i was ever expecting it to be i thought this was going to be pretty awful and i think it has to be sort of claimed to be a testament to the film that if if people because there are no as star wars fans and marvel fans and dc fans can all attest to there are no, there's no one harder to please than the fans. So if you and your friends and number of other people who've watched the film, who are fans of Dungeons and Dragons, if they can enjoy it and get as giddy about it as you seemingly seem to be, then that's a testament to the film. Because if it can impress and make the fans happy, then at the very minimum, it's an excess, a success on that standpoint. Mm. Yeah. So I, I think that's a testament to it. Yeah. And I... There's a spin-off TV show in the works, apparently. Um, oh, interesting. Which is in- With Pine or...? Um, not entirely sure. It just says that a uh, part of a multi-pronged approach for television projects, the show is described as the flagship and cornerstone live-action series of the multiple projects in development, while the series mm. will compl- complement the film side of the franchise. I don't think everybody everything needs a no. franchise mm. like that, but mm. I would have been happy with another movie. Another but- movie would have been great. Yeah, I don't want to over milk it. Yeah, I think another movie where the group has now gained a bit of renown, um, has gained a bit of uh, fame, can maybe become part of a guild or something and be called upon for another adventure, maybe by some kind of authorities or something like that would have been interesting. Yeah. Um, I guess they can more time to build on the lore that the average viewers don't know about so i guess you can get a bit more backstory into the who the harpers and the green enclave are mm-hmm. yeah or emerald enclave emerald sorry. enclave yeah um sorry. Uh, your teeth just grit there when i said it wrong not at all not at all look <laughs> there is honestly there is so much canon to D that it's almost impossible to it's it's a it's a universe like star wars there's so much going on that even like Eight years on, I'm st- I've barely scratched the surface of it. My rich or DM, uh, a shout out to the rest of my party, Diana, Mike, and Glenn. Uh, but rich or DM and Mike and Diana, they 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 they've got all this in their head somehow. And and you know, so if if you play a bard, what do they play? So Diana plays a a gnome wizard called Mick. Nice. Um, 
she and my character Perrin have like a kind of close relationship and you know very protective of each other um accidentally killed each other a couple of times (laughs) Um, um Mike uh, plays uh, Orion, who's a, a dwarf cleric. Uh, because my my character is a dwarven bard, we both played we both dwarves. We both, uh, but he's a hill dwarf and a mountain dwarf. So we have that whole rivalry of which dwarf, which dwarving family is better. Um, okay. He's slightly taller, being a hill dwarf, but I'm slightly stronger, <laughs> being a mountain dwarf. So, um, and then we have uh, Glenn, who plays a druid called Store. And we've been playing for a number of years and we still know nothing about him. And that's oh, really design. So he's basically, he, he walked out of the woods one day fully formed and we met him and we we're, I think we're now tapping into his backstory. Um, but he is a druid and uh, going in an interesting way. And then obviously mm-hmm. Rich, Rich is our DM and he's basically every other character in the game because he does all the voices for all those people. But it's, um, can you ever have someone as your? I'm just just inquiring, um, but can you ever have anyone in your party play the antagonist? Oh, 100 percent. You can. Uh, oh, okay. I think for things like one shots, one 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 off sessions, you can have that. Um, one off sessions can be anything from like a battle royale where everyone plays an evil person, and you all just get okay. super super evil skills um it's a testament to what i am as a person i always like to be the baddie <laughs> yeah you could be the baddie you could be the protagonist the antagonist sorry you could be you could be the secret antagonist which comes to light later on you could be someone who's maybe you could have the antagonist role that turns good you know we've had that uh, okay, before okay. you know um but the one shot i planned for you which um for anyone listening is based in the curse curse of strad uh universe is kind of down that kind of dark occult route so excellent maybe i'll uh, maybe i'll give you room to do that there um but that's where i'm playing pla- i'll practice my sacrifices yeah i'll give you more details on that later but we'll definitely get that excellent. sorted so um but in terms of this film overall rating i'm gonna go with broadly good um for me um i would say broadly good as well i very much enjoyed it great broadly good it is uh the the reviews have been great from what i've read which i read before and after um fans seem to like it it's doing okay at the box office and i'm i'm really glad that it turned out all right because it's as like yourself when it's something you when it's something you love brought to life on screen like that it's always a bit of a yeah tricky times to nice it's nice to have your um fanship of a property rewarded yes exactly exactly so broadly good go and see dungeons and dragons honor among thieves if you are at all nerdy or at all involved with dungeons and dragons or ever thought about it it's definitely worth your time and it's just a good two hours that's all we can say um Unfortunately, I think that's all the time we have for this week, Toby. Thank you, as always, for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. Always happy to talk about all things nerdy. It has been a super nerdy episode, this one. So (laughs) nerdy. It's going to have to come with a warning. Never mind explicit. Yeah, Yeah, it's just nerd warning. Um, (laughs) Thank you, of course, to UK Phone Review for supporting us, as always. And, of course, finally, thank you to all you wonderful listeners that tune in every week. We really, really appreciate all of you. And... 
If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, you can catch us up on other nerdy topics such as Marvel, DC. Um, we need to get that Star Wars one done for sure. You know, we've talked about The Last of Us. Um, you can join us, find us at the Phantom Zone podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. You can find us on Instagram at the Phantom Zone podcast and Twitter as well. But until next time, thank you for listening and we'll see you soon. Goodbye. Bye bye. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.